Zen is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hi everybody, this is Dr. Ray. You are listening to a least worst of the doctor is in. We have no best of, but this is truly one of our least worst. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice, and it doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. I'm glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> you don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Done a little mathematical analysis uh, on that uh, those several bumper options that we have for the program here and i noticed it was about 50 percent of the time that the people were positive about what i said the other 50 percent they weren't that's 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 really kind of a low percentage if you think about it i mean okay if it were baseball you'd be you'd be roy hobbs but giving what is supposed to be helpful ideas that are only helpful 50% of the time? Well, you take your chances. If you're going to call in, just know that. 50% chance you're going to get something that is is helpful. 877-573-7825. 877-57-EQUAL. That's the number to call to get on to the program. We did something yesterday. We added to this, and I would like this to be a part of the program from here on out. I think it's I think it's very helpful. I, I don't like the idea that I'm supposed to be the one with all the answers because among the 180 people who listen to this program, I'm sure there are a lot of people with a lot of great ideas out there about all kinds of things. So adding to your options for calling the program, still the most common option, of course, is to talk about a circumstance, situation, person in your life that maybe can come away with a nugget of some truth you can use. Or according to our bumper beginnings, 50% of the time you could use it. Okay, that's one. Second thing is you can call if you have a generic question. Uh, particularly a generic question that relates about the faith as it intersects with psychology. Those are those are fun questions. Three, uh, giving a helpful suggestion to someone else because you had a similar situation. Now, I don't know if you get days off purgatory for doing that. I'm going to have to look it up. I'm going to have to look up the most recent issue of purgatory today and find out. And then the new one is if you have an insight or a thought. And we had two of those yesterday insight or a thought that can help some someone in general about parenting about life about emotions about your own struggles and resolution with the faith and if they're good enough i'm going to write them down and i'm going to put them in books and i'm going to make a lot of money oh i'll acknowledge you on the first page of the book i'll say thanks to all the listeners who gave me great ideas i'll acknowledge you you're not gonna get any money 
I'll keep the money. So, 877-573-7825. 877-57-EQUAL is the number to call to get onto the program for any one of a number of reasons. Anything else I want to say here? Yeah, yeah, those of you in the Denver, Colorado area. Particularly, I guess you could call it a suburb. I guess it's 30 minutes outside of Denver, Arvada, Colorado, St. Joan of Arc. This coming Friday night, well, this coming would be tomorrow. Friday night, I'm going to, God willing, head out there and do a talk to the parents and the grandparents on Friday night. And then Saturday morning will be a breakfast after Mass. Do a talk there. Talk will be the logic of being Catholic on uh, Saturday morning. So if you're at all interested, check with St. Joan of Arc or go to my website. There's a contact number there that you can uh, you can get. I hesitate to use this example. I really do. Uh, I think it's intimidating, very intimidating. Uh, not only to husbands, not only to husbands, but to uh, parents. Parents are struggling to be the best parent they can be. I'm going to do it. Wives, please, please, do not be upset with your husbands because they don't reach my level of communicative skills. I'm a highly trained professional. I am sharpened to pick up on the most subtle of cues that a woman is upset. I can do this. I can I can measure it where it might go completely by other husbands not as sharpened to the language verbal, nonverbal, of their wives. I came home someday, one day, and I sensed, I sensed, now this again, this is, please, I'm trained, I notice these things. I sensed that my wife was struggling with some upset. She came out of the side door into the garage saying, I do not like them in my hair. I do not like them anywhere. I do not like them, Ray, I am. I do not like them. I cannot. I said, honey, that didn't rhyme. But I'm sensing upset. Can you go with that? Now, that's what I mean, okay? I I picked up she was upset. The average guy's not going to pick that up. I picked it up, subtle as it was. She said, well, it's Andrew. Well, what do you do? He lied to me. He did, huh? How do you know he lied? Because I have evidence. Okay, all right. That's what, see, that's what wives like when you question them. When they give you their perspective and you say, well, you know, you could be wrong. That's always really a good thing to do if you want to improve your marriage. Then I said, I think another marital move, it's just beautiful. I said, well, honey, let let me talk to him and fix this up. Now, there it is. There you have it. See, she has been in the trenches all day long. 
I come home, and now the problem is going to be handled well. See, that? that's a, that's a good message to send if you want to strengthen a marriage. I'm here now to pick up your pieces, okay? Went upstairs. Andrew's laying in bed on his back, staring at the ceiling. Andrew was about six at the time. Andrew, Mom tells me you lied. I don't remember. Now, I'm thinking, okay, has he been watching C-SPAN? Congressman, what is your middle name? I'm sorry, I can't recall that. Well, what car do you drive? I'm sorry, I, I really don't remember that. You know, just answer, I don't remember, 74 times. Andrew, if mom says you lied, you lied. Now, if you lie to me, now you got two lies. So, did you lie? I really don't remember. But if mom said I did, there's probably a pretty good chance I did. Now, this is how the boy works. This is how he thinks. Right now, he is an engineer (laughs) for the Navy consulting. (laughs) I knew it. So, continuing with my high-powered fatherhood, I thought, well, it's time. It is time. He's six. It's time to give him... A lecture, stringing together hundreds of sentences to get him to understand right, wrong, get him to understand the repercussions of what he did, get him to understand how people react to this. I'm ready. I knew, drawing upon every one of my communicative skills, the ones that you've already seen with my wife, that 30-some years from now, God willing, We're all gathered around Thanksgiving table, and Andrew would say, I want to share something with someone that uh, happened between me and Dad that, well, it really changed the course of my life. I expected that. So, I said, Andrew, look at me, please. And then I went on. I'll tell you what, it was my best stuff. I had been waiting for this moment. I was primed to give this boy one of the finest lectures he had ever heard. I went on six, eight minutes straight talking about trust, talking about how important it is that people know you're telling them the truth because once you tell them a lie, then they can't know. I talked about my own childhood. I talked about the time I disappointed my father. Our hearts blended. Our souls were one. I knew I reached deep into that boy's psyche. And altered every one of his future chances to tell the truth. When I was done, I said, Andrew, you have anything you want to say, son? Yeah. Go ahead. Dad, how come when my one eye looks at the ceiling, my other eye can't look at the floor? It occurred to me that somewhere in my mini-speech, I lost that boy. And I think, but I can't say for sure, I think it was when I said, Andrew, look at me, son. Now, what's my point here? We think lectures are great. We think, all right, if if I go on long enough, if I cover enough topics, the child's going to say, oh, Father, thank you. 
You know, had you stopped 27 minutes ago, I don't think I would have seen Parenthood through your eyes. But since you went on another 22 minutes, I, I think I've got it now. Now, I'm not saying you don't reason and give explanations. I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying be careful because there comes a point of diminishing returns. <laughs> if you go on too long, you lose them. So given that, I learned my lesson with Andrew. And I did say when I came downstairs with my wife, honey, did you notice how I picked up on your upset? She looked at me. Didn't say anything. And I thought, hmm, I think she's just impressed. 877-573-7825. 877-57-EQUAL. That's the number to your calls. Thank you so much for calling. Dr. Ray. He is honored by the church as a saint with the title of the angelic doctor. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Thomas Aquinas wrote a basic textbook for young theology students that became the church's most famous guide to the faith, the Summa Theologica. It helped him earn the title Doctor of the Church. He died in 1274. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Maybe you've been hearing a lot about the need to make a spiritual communion while participating from home in a live-streamed or broadcast Mass. By asking for spiritual communion, we are acknowledging that the Holy Mass is the perfect, best way to worship God. The priest intercedes perfectly for us with God the Father because he acts in persona Christi. This is the time to see that through the priest's representation of Christ's sacrifice on Calvary, we are never separated from our Lord. Jesus, I embrace you and unite myself wholly to you. This program brought to you by the following nonprofit company. From a firm films comes Journey to Bethlehem. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. You are in danger, Mary. This child. What is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem. Starring Fiona Palomo, Milo Mannheim, Lecrae, Joel Smallbone, and Antonio Banderas. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere, November 10th. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Ray. You are listening to a least worst of The Doctor Is In. We have no best of, but this is truly one of our least worst. A little piece of helpful life advice from uh, Dr. Ray. Never give up your seat to a lady. That's how I lost my job as a bus driver in college. All righty. Let's get to your calls. Sarah from Peoria. If it plays in Peoria, it's going to play on The Doctor Is In. Hi, Sarah. Hi. How are you? Appreciate the call, my dear. Where did you get this term pseudo-dementia? Uh, just online um my what's the situation is my sister is 
um, supposedly getting Alzheimer's or dementia. She's uh, 68. And um, my brother, eh, he doesn't quite, <laughs> he's got a problem with it. I think he doesn't quite believe it. Um, and so he was doing some research and he saw this article about pseudo-dementia versus true Alzheimer's. And, uh, he, you know, he's just posing a question, uh, wondering if this could be due to depression rather than actual Alzheimer's. And, and I have to say that Alzheimer's does run in our family, but depression does as well. So I don't know what to think. Okay. Well, I I was wondering what they were meaning by pseudo-dementia and now I realize that they're saying there are other conditions that can mimic the uh, early onset of a dementia. Now, Alzheimer's is one of, oh gosh, I forget how many dozen different diagnosed dementias. It's the most common one. It accounts for about half of them. So he's saying these changes we're seeing in our sister may be due to something else other than some kind of cognitive deterioration. That's what he's saying? Yeah, he thinks maybe it's a depression. And, and yes, in fact, that this is mimicking or at least accelerating the dementia. I, I don't know. What makes you think that she could be experiencing the early stages of a dementia? Oh, well, you know, her forgets, she forgets uh, what people have been talking about uh, in prior recent, very recent conversations. And, you know, she kind of covers up for it. She doesn't seem to be too upset about it. It's been a gradual thing over time. Is she forgetting um, she more and more things? A, yeah, she, it seems to be a gradual increase. She has done a spec test, and it did show abnormalities, but it wasn't terrible. She does oxygen therapy, but she says it doesn't really seem to help. Is she married? Yes. What does her husband say? He lives with her. Uh, he, you know, he not a whole lot. Um, he's very supportive in trying to get her these therapies. Um, she did state to my brother that, their marriage used to be a partnership, and now she just follows along with whatever he says. Whatever he says. Which I have, yeah, which I have witnessed. Um, so, she seems happy. So but, you don't see signs of depression. You don't see a constriction in mood. You don't see a retreat from uh, the activity she used to enjoy. She doesn't have necessarily a history of depression. So you're seeing changes in her, perhaps, personality and her memory and maybe even some confusion that weren't there two years ago. I would just say the memory, and she just seems a lot more subdued general. Okay. okay. That may be, and a lot of times this happens, is that may be, and again, I can't diagnose that from here, that may be that she's having a harder time following conversations, um, linking thoughts 
responses in her head to what other people are saying. So she's just getting quieter. She doesn't want to say something that sounds irrelevant or foolish. Is is that a possibility as you see it? Yes. Okay. Here's what I think, Sarah. Is she is she seeing a, a physician? Yes. Okay. Well, hopefully the physician will attempt to differentially diagnose whether this is, and it is an early onset. When you're 68 and you start showing signs of cognitive deterioration neurologically, that's early. 68's early. Um, More often it's into the mid-late 70s and for sure in the end of the 80s. However, if the physician's on top of it, then he or she will notice uh, things that are going on and perhaps prescribe some medication that might help if this is an onset of some type of depression. You'll get your answer in the next couple of years. Because if it is the start, or maybe further along than she's uh, kind of showing to people, because in the early stages of dementia, oftentimes you try to hide it. You try to not let people know that you're not quite as sharp as you were. So And it scares you. And so you get quieter. You you listen to, for example, your husband more often in this case because she trusts him to know what to do and she doesn't quite trust herself. Does that seem to make sense from what you see? Yes. Okay. If it is the onset of an early dementia, hopefully the, the doctor will prescribe... Uh, there are, there are some medications that slow the, per, the, the regression, if you will, of the disorder. Aricept, and there's a couple others. They, they don't stop it, but they do slow it. So maybe someone can talk to her husband and say, if, if this is what it is, and I think he'd probably know more than anybody else because he's got the best comparison to make between how she used to function and how she functions now. If it is then perhaps the doctor will say, all right, I want to prescribe something that will slow this process down. And, and, and maybe he'll let you go too, or he can go with her when she goes in. Um, but, but you'll know more in another year or two, my dear. You, you will. And at, and at this point, the best way to approach this is to be gentle with her, to not do oftentimes what people do when somebody is beginning a dementia. Mom, mom, don't you remember? I just told you that yesterday. Mom, what are you doing? Are you just forgetting? Don't, don't man, don't do that. <laughs> that's real. That's rough. Okay. Uh, just say, just tell her again. Tell her again. Uh, and, and don't point out to her where she is, where she is failing. Don't point that out. Okay. Well, mom, you mom, you used to be able to do that. You can't, mom. You telling me you can't balance your checkbook? What? Sure, you can, mom. Don't just be very careful about stuff like that. God bless you, Sarah. Thank you so much. Um, you know, I had this situation. I shared this before in the program with my elderly aunt. She was in her early nineties. We would uh, go down to have breakfast with uh, some of the uh, elderly aunts and uncles. When you're Italian, your aunts and uncles are very much part of your family. 
So we go have breakfast, and I'd pick up Aunt Esther. And it was about a 12-mile drive to the place. And she'd say, so, who all's going to be there, Raymond? i said, say, well, Aunt Esther is going to be, and I'd mention my mom or my dad or my other aunt or my other uncle or maybe one of my siblings. i tell her. And then about 10 minutes is, or 10 seconds, I'm sorry, of silence would go by. And she'd say, so, Raymond, who else is going to be there? And I'd tell her again. Ten seconds would go by. Raymond, so who else is going to be there? Now, I knew this stuff wasn't registering for Aunt Esther. I knew that. She was in her 90s. But I just simply answered it. I didn't say, well, Aunt Esther, I already told you three times. No, no, that because she didn't remember that I told her three times. And she would say, no, she would think to herself, no, you didn't. Or, well, if you did, I forgot totally, and that scares me. So be careful about correcting someone that you suspect is on the front end of dementia. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. People have this false notion that after the Supreme Court came out with, of course, Roe v. Wade and gave us abortion on demand through nine months of pregnancy, and all of a sudden, all of these regulations were put into place. When all of these independent abortion facilities popped up all over the country, when Planned Parenthood started opening its doors and doing abortions legally after 1973, that it was always so safe and wonderful. And they believe this because they don't see these stories about the botched abortions, the women who have lost their lives, the women who have been violated because their information has been tossed out in the street with the garbage and the medical waste. Not to mention the fact that the regulations that are on the books are not even enforced and rarely are these facilities inspected. And yet people think that they're so safe. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. What is God's first gift to the Church? The Catholic Catechism proclaims God is love and love is His first gift containing all others. The Holy Spirit, who has been given to us, pours God's love into us. The first effect of love is the forgiveness of sin. The communion of the Holy Spirit in the Church restores the divine likeness that was lost through sin. The Holy Spirit gives us the first fruits of our inheritance, the very life of the Holy Trinity. That fruit is to love, says the Catechism, as God has loved us. The evidence or fruits of the Holy Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The more we renounce ourselves, the more we live by the Spirit. The mission of Christ and the Holy Spirit is brought to completion in the Church. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. The Doctor is in with Dr. Ray Garendi will commence now. We assure you that this randomly selected program is one of Dr. Ray's least worst. We had a caller, a helpful caller, that said that hyperbaric chambers, this is hyperbaric oxygen therapy it's called um help with dementia uh we're looking this up and i'm i'm seeing that it is used to speed up the healing of carbon monoxide poisoning gangrene wounds that won't heal infections in the tissues 
which are starved for oxygen. For in other words, in other words, it, the the pressure, the oxygen pressure is increased two to three times what the normal atmospheric pressure is, and in fact, it's supposed to help these. Now there is in one of the sites a little bit of suggestion that it might help slow the process of dementia, but that is really not what it is used for. It's a well-established treatment for decompression sickness. Uh, potential risk of suicide uh, treated uh, include serious infections, bubbles of air in the blood vessels, or wounds that don't heal. That's really what it's used for. The, the question becomes, okay, well, if in fact part of dementia is the starving of the neurological tissues for oxygen, well, then maybe if we increase this... Um, I guess I, what, I, what I would say is this. I'm certainly not an expert on it, but what we're reading here is that that's not its main therapeutic intervention. And dementia is a deteriorating condition, and we don't have anything that stops the eventual deterioration. We have a few things that can slow it down, and I'd like to see a lot more research on hyperbaric oxygen therapy on something like that. So there it is. Uh, John from Lincoln, Nebraska, is asking a fascinating sociodemographic question. Hello, John. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure, buddy. Yeah, um, yeah. so I'm just going to go right into it. I guess, you know, obviously there's an issue going on with the population rate. The, there is a birth gap, which means, you know, uh, people are not producing enough to you know, maintain a stable population rate in, in, uh, all across the world. And I know there's many different reasons, and there's many different uh, opinions, you know, mainly financial. Obviously, that's an obvious one. Financial uh, stability for a lot of people is a reason why they're choosing not to have children or less children. Um, you know, they, they went across. There's many people who believe, you know, it's uh, birth control, um, you know, the, the pill or something like that. But they've, they've proven that that's not necessarily the case. I mean, it does play a part, but they've, they've done, you know, they've done research. They've looked into history, you know, between different countries and stuff. But this is obviously a problem all across the world. But I'm just kind of wondering, you know, I mean, the Bible says something about, uh, you know, um, about reproducing, be fruitful and multiply. But uh, I just was kind of curious what a uh, Catholic psychiatrist has to say on the issue like what uh what 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 you know because i don't necessarily see this as a problem because i know that people are going to reproduce whether they're rich or poor um but uh i just i i don't i guess i don't really care you know if the population dies out i mean it, it's going to happen whatever that's fine but uh i just you know it's weird seeing people countries trying to uh, encourage couples, you know, by paying paying for, uh, you know, you know, the first three years of a child's life, like health care and diapers, baby formula, and stuff like that. That's interesting to me. But uh, I just, I guess, I don't really see it as a bad thing. I was just kind of curious what your opinion is and what what psychological terms and stuff you have to offer or anything. I just was just curious what you have to say on the birth gap. Uh, thanks Thank for taking my call. Okay, John. Thank you. A little history. Back in the 60s, the motivation, the movement, the momentum uh, was heavy. Too many people in the world. We're going to run out of resources. We're going to starve. 
We're not going to have the proper things for fuel. It's going to be awful because our population is exponentially increasing and we will not be able to sustain the Earth's ability to support us. That was the theory. And there were books written. Uh, I forget the, the name of the fella that wrote the population bomb. Ehrlich, Paul Ehrlich. And it was, it was a lot of push. And there was even push on the Pope saying, look, uh, we we got to let people have birth control here. Because if we don't, look what's going to happen. Well, this shows you the problem with predicting, especially macro events. They never recognize that at some point people are going to say, we don't want kids. Now, I think financial may be one of them, John, but I don't think it's the main one. Uh, that may be one in uh, sort of wealthier countries who don't want to share the wealth with three kids. That may be. But I think for the most part, people, uh, one, you don't, you don't need them. I mean, we're not an agrarian society across the world as much as we used to be, so you don't need a whole bunch of kids as people see it. More and more people are becoming, well, self, especially in the U.S. and the Western, Western Europe countries. We, just, we want our own lives, and we, don't, we really don't want the responsibility or having to share it with too many of these little creatures. It's another one, big one. Um, abortion is is unbelievable. They estimate uh, over a billion abortions that they know of in the culture. All this is to say they never anticipated that for most developed countries now, and even some of the undeveloped countries, for example, China, the birth replacement rate in China is 1.09 per childbearing woman. You need 2.1 to replace yourself. You can't sustain 1.09. You will die out. So to your question, the answer to one of your questions is, well, why are these countries doing this? Why is Japan paying people to have kids? Because they know that when you become top-heavy with older people, your culture collapses. Your economic culture collapses. You can't sustain it. You don't have workers. You don't have people to pay into the system. You have more and more old people taking up resources medically, so it becomes unsustainable. Now, if you say, well, I don't care, so what? We, we, we've depopulated ourselves. And I've seen estimates that at this current rate, by 2070, the world population will top out and begin to descend. I think it's going to be sooner than that because we're just having less and less kids. I think Italy's 1.2, 1.1. Italy. So, given all that, uh, why have kids, basically, is what you're saying. Well, despite the fact that I think God knows what he's talking about, when he says, hey, accept these souls as gifts from me. I'll tell you, John, from an anecdotal perspective, I have never talked to someone yet in my 45 years as a shrink who has said, you know, I just had too many kids. I have talked to countless who have said, I wish I'd have had more children. So there must be something in the way God wired us to be attracted to having more offspring. If there is a God, and he said to do this, then he knows it's the right thing to do. Now someone says, well, you Catholics are going to have nine kids, you know, you're going to just bury us all. Well, the irony is, no, because there's not enough Catholics to bury us all. They can't account for the declining population in the world. It's going to have all kinds of sociodemographic problems. Huge, huge. 
So just a few thoughts there, John. I could give you a lot more, but I do appreciate the question. 877-57-EQUAL. That's the number to call. We still got a lot of time. So get a call in here. I want to talk to you. Those who deny the full humanity of the preborn will be toying with the sentiments of pro-life people. They will say, you can't really believe in the humanity of the unborn unless you support this or that piece of legislation. The pro-life position is quite different. We might well believe that we need to improve social conditions, but first of all, we believe that the preborn are a good to be protected. Even if born into poverty, even if born into unstable, violent homes, we want to eliminate those terrible conditions. But it is the height of arrogance to tell human beings like unborn children who cannot communicate or reason or stand up for themselves that they are better off dead. Because we know from our own experience that we would choose life and survival over death, no matter how poor our social environment. Cresta in the Afternoon. Weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. It's time for Family Man with Dr. Gregory Popcha. Did you know that the church calls your family to be holy? It's true. Now don't freak out. The church isn't holy because the people in it are anywhere near perfect. It's holy only because Jesus is holy and because the Holy Spirit lives and works in it. And the same thing is true about your domestic church. Our families don't need to be perfect. We only need to open ourselves to God's grace so that we can share His love, healing, and forgiveness with each other and with the people we meet every day out in the world. Remember, holiness isn't restricted to grand gestures. It's as simple as doing ordinary, everyday things in a way that shows God's love. For more tips on living a holier life as a family, check out our books, Parenting Your Kids with Grace and Parenting Your Teens with Grace, or visit CatholicHOM.com. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak, but you can call me family. To discover more ways faith can enrich your life, visit CatholicCounselors.com. You're listening to the least worst of The Doctor is In with Dr. Ray Garendi. So please, no calls at this time. listening. The number is 877-57-EQUAL. Question about life, question about circumstances, helpful suggestion for someone else, like the hyperbaric oxygen therapy suggestion, as well as the generic question like John asked. I, I like questions like that an awful lot because I thoroughly enjoy reading about that stuff. Let me just add a couple to it before I move on. G.K. Chesterton, who's such a master of the one-liner, he had a question that we are to ask someone who thinks there are too many people in the world. And that is a very pronounced secular view. Simply ask them, how are you so sure you're not one of the too many? You see, when there's too many people in the world, we want those other people to check out. Not me. Not me. I'm not one of the too many. You people are. G.K., master of the ironic twist of statement. One more point. In the 1960s, Pope Paul VI 
It began, I think, with Pope John XXIII, but Pope Paul VI came out in 1968 with a letter, Humana Vitae. And it essentially said, because there was enormous pressure on the church, okay, we've we got to change this whole idea of being fruitful and multiplying or, or accepting children from God as he decides to give them to you. We've got to change this idea because, come on, can't you, can't you see the science? We know, how, we know how accurate the broad-based science is. So can't you see this? We're gonna we're gonna destroy the earth. We're gonna destroy ourselves. So, therefore, the Pope called together a commission. Said we got to we got to study this, and we we realize that that our teaching on artificial contraception is is being rejected by a, a good percentage of our Catholic faithful. What are we gonna do? We gotta we gotta gotta tell them. So the commission suggested to him. Yep. Yeah, we got we got to change this. We got to change this. You know, the the non-Catholic Christians all changed it. Up until 1930, they agreed with the Catholic position, but then they slowly started to change it after that. Okay. Well, that was an atomic bomb dropped in the middle of the intelligentsia among Catholics. Look at this. He's coming out and he's saying, "No, we can't change this. This was given to us from the apostles." We can't, we don't have the authority to change it. And besides, if we did change it, all kinds of moral repercussions would happen. Women would be demeaned. There would be an increase in abortions. It would be an overall cheapening of marriage and relationships. Oh, the really smart people went nuts. Really smart people went nuts. So, what they didn't know, of course, and this is part of the talk that I give on the logic of being Catholic is that artificial contraception can also be an abortifacient. In other words, it can kill a very, very early human being, two, three, four-day-old human being. They didn't know that then. Well, they know it now. But isn't that interesting that God protected his church because she could have said, well, we're going to give you permission, and in an unknown number of cases, you're going to kill a brand-new baby. It's not a baby. It's a bunch of cells. You know, when people say stuff like that, I just look at them and say, you know, you were that age once. My son, I'm, I know I'm digressing, but I, I want to offer something my son said to me the other day. He said that he gets into a lot of discussions with his friends who are almost all pro-abortion. Well, they're not his friends, but there's his peer circle. People that attempt to challenge his views, is better said. He said to his one friend, he said that if you were in a car accident, and you were completely comatose, unconscious, unresponsive for nine months. Could we kill you? And he said, no. Why not? Because I'm going to recover. You just said for nine months, I'm going to recover. I'm going to be, I'm going to be human again. And he said, my son said to him, so a baby who is not conscious, as we define it, for nine months is going to be, quote-unquote, a human. What's the difference? Boy, that, that hit me. That, that example hit me. It's true. You're comatose for two years. Well, we, we don't want to kill you because you, you could become your former self. And a baby 
if allowed, will become a baby. <laughs> All righty. Uh, boy, I'm pushing up against Okay, got a couple, couple suggestions here I want to get. Jenny says she's a nurse. She says she remembers back in the 90s that the hyperbaric chambers didn't work well because they were claustrophobic to patients. In other words, Jenny, I don't know if you're saying that they would work better in what they're geared toward curing if people could stay in them. A lot of people don't like MRIs. They don't like CAT scans because the same thing. You got to go into this. You got to go into this tube, and a lot of people don't like that. They ask you that before they went on. I've had MRIs, and they say, "Are you are you claustrophobic? Is that going to bother you?" And I remember back when we had ten kids at home. I went into the CAT scan little barrel there, and the CAT scans are loud. They bang, boom, boom. I fell asleep. Because the CAT scan was quieter than my house. All right. Um, okay. Anne from Clayton, North Carolina said, uh, get the hearing checked. Very fair. Very fair suggestion. Yeah, and what you're saying is, and this, this, dementia is a diagnosis of elimination. In other words, you eliminate what else it could possibly be. And once you've done that, then you're left with this is likely what's going on, and you will know it more clearly in a year, two, three, four. You're right, though. You have to eliminate, is there depression? Is there social isolation? Is there a hearing problem? Is there, is there a reversible neurological condition? You know, a, lot of, a lot of things are reversible. Is there a brain tumor? Are there brain lesions? What's going on up there? So, yes. Thank you, Ann. Thank you, Jenny. Uh, Anything else? Okay, no. Taking a break. This is Dr. Ray. This program is brought to you by the following nonprofit underwriter. Are you longing to hear God's voice? Lord, teach me to pray. The free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to His voice, to the peace you are seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy, knowing Jesus personally. Lord Teach Me to Pray is free. Go to lordteachmetopray.com, click on the red box, order the Lord Teach Me to Pray series now. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. Ever thought you'd make a bundle by trading in or selling your used vehicle only to find out it's worth a dinner for two? Well, it's much more valuable to donate your vehicle to Ave Maria Radio. Thousands of Americans donate their vehicle each year. The donation to Ave Maria is easy, tax-deductible, and supports our efforts to evangelize. A year from now, will you remember that dinner or your gracious and selfless donation? Go to AveMariaRadio.net to find out more. That's AveMariaRadio.net. This program brought to you by the following nonprofit company. From Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. Look at the star! This is it! You truly believe 
But this child is the chosen one. What is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere, November 10th. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. You're listening to the least worst of The Doctor is In with Dr. Ray Garendi. So please, no calls at this time. Thank you for joining me. Uh, September 25th, 26th, we're heading to Billings, Montana. Tape four episodes of Living Right with Dr. Rafe. That's season 13. We tape it before a live audience, and the bigger the audience, the better. So if you go to BillingsCatholicRadio.com, there is a registration form, and you can tell them which ones you want to come to. They're in the evening. I think it's 515, 7 o'clock, something along those lines. And you can come, and you can bring the kids. love having the kids. The youngest we ever had was, I think, two months, and the oldest was 103. That was Teresa Tamio. Teresa was in the audience. Yeah. So given that, we'd love to have you. The audience makes the program. It truly does. EWTN can get a lot of hosts. It's harder to get an audience. All right. This was sent to me by, where is it? Let me go back. Message. Yes. This looks like from, uh, this is from Will. Will is taking care of me, Dr. Will. So this is, the book was The Late Great Planet Earth, 1970, by Hal Lindsey, but his ghostwriter was Carol Carlson. The New York Times declared it to be the best-selling nonfiction book of the 1970s. It had a primetime television special featuring Hal Lindsey, an audience of 17 mil. And the book was, it was surprising because the book was sort of a, let me get this description here. It's a treatment of the literalist premillennial dispensational eschatology. Now, I, I can't get into the details on that, but in essence, it is end times prophecies in the Bible, along with what was going on at that time. Okay? And so Lindsay attempted to blend the idea that the world's coming to a quick end, and one of the reasons it is it's just too doggone many people, okay? All right, just a lot of people. He said, oh, we got an increase in the frequencies of famine and wars and earthquakes, and that's just as our Lord predicted. He predicted a Soviet invasion of Israel, war of Gog and Magog. So he really predicted a lot of stuff, none of which have really come to pass. But that book and books like it, how did it sell? 28 million copies, 28 million by 1990. That's more than my books, who sell about 28. So just approximately a a million times short on that. The Population Bomb by Paul Ehrlich was not so much the religious perspective, but one of, you people don't realize what we're doing here. You got to cut this out. Now, the accusation against the Catholic Church on something like this is, oh, okay, oh, I see, just keep having kids. That's right, have 11 kids, whether you can afford them, whether you have the emotional stability to raise them, that's it. Now, first of all, the Church is not ignorant like the culture thinks. Natural family planning is more effective, and it's not the rhythm unit with (laughs) unit. Sorry about, I'm thinking... 
I'm thinking playing my organ. Not the rhythm uh, method. It is something that is essentially based on the physiology of a woman's body. And I can define woman even though I'm not a biologist. That's right. That's what it says there. So, Catholic Church is not completely just have 27 kids as long as you can until you're 48 years old. Don't worry about it. No, they recognize there's other factors. But what they're saying is that the artificial means of doing this is not given by God. And again, like anything else, if God knows what he's talking about, because he's God, and we disagree. No, I think he just, you know, I think he's been around a long time, right? I mean, so he's probably speaking from like, uh, I don't know, beginning of the universe kind of stuff, right? Back at the Big Bang, he's probably given out these uh, ways of living. And then, you know, that was a long time ago. You know, that's 13.8 billion years ago, is best, our best estimate. So, so maybe he needs to update his perception of things. You can't get away from the logic. If there is a God, and if he says through Scripture, through his church, this is the best way to do it, this way is not the best way to do it, and this way could actually harm you. Even though we initially can't see it, he knows what he's talking about. So, given all that, all right, all these calls are coming in all over the place here. All right, that's right. These are people who just don't listen to the radio program. I know that. So, I do appreciate do appreciate all of you calling in. I'm getting a chance. The lines are kind of quiet today. They normally are not quiet like that. But long about a quarter till, after folks offered their helpful suggestions, that was it. Things got very silent. Either that or Eric Dumont left the room and refused to pick up the phone. Now, I can't prove that because that's in Ann Arbor where they produce this program along with EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It's a co-production. So I'm delighted to be with you. Once again, heading out, God willing, Catholic Radio Network in Denver, suburb Arvada. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's not Arveda, is it? It's A-R-V-A-D-A. St. Joan of Arc Church, tomorrow night, 6.30, if you want to come out. I know the, the Denver station is a big, a big boomer, so i got to believe it reaches to Arvada. And my niece lives in Arvada, so it's kind of fascinating. I get a chance to bounce around the country and get to see people that are far away but were part of my life at one time. Andrew Kruchek, thank you. Eric Dumont, thank you. Good Lord permitting, tomorrow is Look Back Friday, where we will take your questions from previous programs. I will say more about them, because I always have more to say about them. Anything else? Nope. Music's starting here in a few seconds, so i got to say goodbye. But I do appreciate all the times you keep me company and all the times you text me during the program, because you folks are like a massive wire service. You give me all kinds of good stuff. And my knowledge increases because of you. So I appreciate it so very much. Walk with God. He knows what he's talking about, and he knows the best way to walk. 
For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.